We are at the management office here in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, it's very stuffy. Greta Van Fleet headquarters. I guess. And an undisclosed location. This is a conference room, really. You have literally just disclosed the location, so. It's <laughs> <laughs> is terrible OPSEC, as they say in the business. In a, in a disclosed location. <laughs> in, a disclosed location. <laughs> in, a, in a recently disclosed location. <laughs> I do like to prepare for these on occasion. And I was going back and listening to interviews. And one of the things that I appreciate is it seems like you guys are always doing interviews together. Like it's always the two of you. Yeah, Sam and I we like to uh, we like to badger people. So I think you, you 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 we're pretty much just warming up. So you might you might beware of uh, the monsters that we can be. It's pretty ugly. I don't know. You know? Yeah. No, we entertain each other quite a bit. So I think that that's probably the reason why we we we've decided to do it that way. <laughs> I was reading some comments on some of the interviews, and people were like, you know, I think made the fair point that the two of you complement each other. In ways, yeah. obviously, you've known each other for a long time, and <laughs> yeah, you go pretty far back. I, I yeah. imagine uh-huh. there are actually instances where the two of you complete each other's sentences. It sounds like, yeah, it's kind of that thing. Yeah, <laughs> is there a concern of you guys being a little too close? You know, in, in terms of thinking too closely along the same lines. I mean, I assume when you've got a band, you want like a, a, a diverse dynamic. I think, yeah, what I really like about just sort of having other people around is because of the people that have different ideas than me. <laughs> and that's kind of, I think, part of it. It's sort of, um, it, it, it keeps things sort of linear and you kind of just have this uh, experience where you're bouncing ideas around and getting further with a concept. And that's, and that's really cool. So I think that that's probably the appeal in that. But obviously, no, I mean, everybody's got their own sort of individual uh, perspective. So that that's pretty great. And that's that's definitely fairly evident. But then it's it's always, I mean, in, in, in talking to people, you want to be, I mean, I want to be really honest the entire way through and, 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 um, and spontaneous. But I, I think it's like you talk to so many people at some point that you, you, you try to catch yourself and, and, and you're almost saying the same thing in a different way, but it's like, well, if you're exploring things a bit further, or if there are other ideas, then of course there's a different, entirely different angle to look at it. Um, so I think that, that that's a, a thing as well. So staying away from robotic yeah. responses and uh, it's, it's easy to become robots, I guess. I mean, some days, you know, you can go, forever and you just you finally wake up you're like oh wait i'm alive <laughs> i assume that there are days when you're literally answering answering the same question in different interviews 10 to 15 times <laughs> yeah so we appreciate the different ones like this <laughs> part of it is that you're able to and this is probably a good quality in both being an interview subject but also just being in a band or any sort of creative pursuit with other people is that you're there to call each other out on your respective bullshit yeah, you need uh, you need an attitude check every once and again. That's so true. That's so true. And uh, there's nothing. Sometimes somebody else is doing it. Sometimes you catch yourself. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. There's there's nothing like pure unhinged honesty. And uh, mm-hmm. filters are a thing because of that. Because of, because of non brothers and people who haven't spent their entire lives together. Yeah, there's this weird formality and casual conversation that people talk about the, 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 the weather or something. <laughs> I think maybe you're alluding a little bit to falling into the trap of egoism and mm-hmm. 
it's one of those things where, you know, you want to be proud of the work that you do and you want to think that you're doing a good job. But when you win a Grammy or, or, you know, when everyone is telling you that you're, you're great, you start to think that you're great. And like who, who else but family to be around to really kind of <laughs> let, let you know how great you really are. I fear pride quite a bit. <laughs> it's, and it's always, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you got a lot really, of it. You shut up. <laughs> this is, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is, it. this is, yeah, no, it's, yeah, I fear that. Cause it's like one of those things that, that I think could be really toxic if it gets away from you. And, you know, and it's like, am I proud of what I've done? I'm happy that I've, yes, I, I think ultimately I'm proud that I've created or that we've created something uh, that we view as, as beautiful and organic and put it into the world and rotation and for people to consume it and, and, and take things away from it. And, um, and so, yeah, but when, when it sort of goes beyond the, the artistic creation, then it, then it's I think it could be very destructive or dangerous. And yeah, you can feel the, like you're the most important you know person in the world when you're on stage. But uh, once you start taking that stuff into the real world, and it's yeah, it's very it's special. very unhealthy. And it's like sort of I wake up some mornings and I ask myself, why do I deserve this? You know, because this is wonderful and I'm very grateful for it. You know, what, the success that we've had and and that the way people respond to what we do. But what do I do to deserve it? And it's kind of really strange. You stand in front of all of these people and and you and it's I think because we're just trying to share a piece of ourselves a little bit. We're trying to, to do something, something morally, ethically good to sort of turn people on and start to inspire ideas and, and just sort of function of evolution as being a celebration. And, and so then that's all reciprocated. The audience seems to th- toss it back at you. So it, it goes both ways. So it's a strange communication. So, and that, that I'll never have a conclusion on. I don't it's know. It's kind of like a reminder too that everybody's alive. It's like, okay, so everybody, you're watching this. This is, we're all here together. And that activates something in the brain, those mass gatherings, mm-hmm. which we haven't really had in so long. And it, it triggers something in the in the human, in the brain or the soul or somewhere in between or both. And everybody's awake. And uh, I think that's a wonderful thing for everybody to be present for once because the, our society, yeah. our society, the way our society uh, is built is very programmed. Yeah, it's automated. You can be very far removed from reality. It, it, it's an easy thing to do. There's a certain amount of compartment mentalization that has to happen in order for you to exist in the world, right? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of horrible shit happening all over the world at any given time. And if you're not just going to like, melt down into a ball, you you do have to filter out some of the noise around you, especially with the internet. I mean, there's so much that we get that we did not ask for. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then it's sort of if I've decided to because I don't uh, the first thing I do when I wake up is not go and look at all of the terrible shit that's happening in the world because it, that would just sort of burden my day, I think. <clears throat> so I, I kind of like go into that in a, in a hopefully an appropriately cerebral way when I'm ready so that I can stay connected and understand what's going on. But yeah, I think it, it is kind of like almost being plugged in in that way can be, you know. And I think it's that's always a weird thing because it's a choice, you know. Some people just have this, uh, I think over time, we've kind of created an existentially anxious 
society. Yeah, age of anxiety, yeah. So, and, um, and it's all kind of fueled that way. And so I, I think people all of a sudden start to feel trapped and they start acting irrational. And it's, it's sort of, we need that presence and that, that conscious in the moment thinking to realize that you're not attached permanently to this the beating heart of the technological age. It's like, I'd hate to open be. up the can of worms that is uh, social media, but it's probably the most poisonous thing in our society right now. And uh, that's a good amount of what Age of Machine is really about, too, is being so yeah. plugged into this sometimes most of the time artificial intelligence that runs algorithms to make money off of your information uh, at an alarming rate. Now we're getting to the point where we have to try to detangle social media from capitalism, which is like a whole <laughs> another conversation entirely. Uh-huh. But that to me is, is the problem is that uh, increasing shareholder value is the bottom line. So they're willing to basically <laughs> destroy the world in the process uh-huh. of getting there. But you know, this is something that we've, I think, intrinsically known for a long time, but is really, again, come into sharp relief over the past year is that obviously there's a lot of really bad stuff coming out of technology, but the only way that we're talking to each other is through Zoom. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, for me personally, and for a lot of people, I suspect to a certain degree, the two of you as well, it's also been kind of a lifeline through all of this. Yeah. And that's definitely looking at the positive yeah. aspects, which we uh, so seldom do. Take a moment to appreciate the fact that here we are talking about real things with a platform in which people can listen to it and be educated about these conversations like the fireside talk so long ago. Yeah. And I think that, um, and that's, that's just one of many things that is, is quite wonderful about technology. And um, especially throughout the course of uh, the, the, you know, the pandemic. Uh, And so Keeping people in touch, yeah, and, and then that sort of thing. That's that's like you said, bit of a lifeline. Whenever I get a little bit upset about you know technology or what 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 the implications of technology might have over time, and I always think about at least medical science. <laughs> that always that always right. me up, you know. That always saves me. It's sort of like it's really such a new thing, you know. All of this technology, it's it's so brand new, and we're just these sort of um, primates trying just toying with it. You know, it's really kind of funny, but um, but it's, it's that it's that thing. I think it's a bright future, and it's just about humankind uh, reinventing yeah, it's, themselves it, over and over. Yeah, it's a, it's um, intent, and it's the way we use it, and it's going to be fumbling through through time and space figuring it out. But that's, I guess, the human experience. Yes, Josh and I have come <laughs> to the conclusion that that mankind's purpose is not necessarily to be imperfect, but it will always be. Yeah, it's a pretty good for the first 15 minutes of a conversation. So I think we've done <laughs> fine work here, boys, even if the rest of the thing goes totally off track. I think we've, <laughs> we've done the world a service. <laughs> Obviously, a lot has made about your music and, and your personal tastes being very rooted in classic rock and, and the blues and older forms of music. Uh, clearly, you're very still very interested in album oriented rock, but you know, since we're still on the topic of technology, do you think in the long run, or at least in the even the immediate term, that current technologies will have a net negative or net positive on the music industry? Well, to be honest, uh, a lot of people have asked us the question: How do you essentially how do you feel about streaming? Because I think a lot of uh, musicians feel 
uh, scarred in a lot of ways from music streaming because that used to be uh, our bread and butter is, you know, making money from album sales. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and you know, coming up the way you have that, that there is a threshold to actually be able to make a living off of that music. And when it comes to streaming, it's incredibly high. Yeah. So now it's, it's very much in the hands of the consumer and the consumer wants everything for a low price. So that's what they've, that's what they've gotten. And it gives the listener an opportunity to listen to whatever they want, just like Facebook. You get all the information, whether it be good information or bad information. So um, I think that the listening power of the average consumer has gone down, not too considerably, but it is a very real thing where uh, art doesn't necessarily need context a lot of the time for a lot of people. That's not a requirement. Uh, so I guess I can't really answer that question, but I like to think that it will in the long run be better for humanity for all of us to get this art, you know, at the, at the touch of a, a little button on an iPhone. Then it's sort of like that free market thing. If you want to look at it that way, which I don't like the idea of, but it's, you've got the bar is so high and people are doing, going so far and, 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 and pushing the limitations of what can be done or, and, um, and there is so much of it. So it, it really does challenge the, the musician to, to go further or to, you know, explore deeper. And so there's also that, which I think in the long run is a very positive thing. Or else it won't, it just won't cut it. If it, if it yeah. sounds like anything else, or if people aren't shocked by it or they won't care. Then you can go so far as to overstimulate. And then you've, you've conditioned a, a, a culture that, that needs what would sound like a 30 second. <laughs> I think something that you're forgetting is that I, I think most people do want something familiar people like i think the vast majority of people who listen to music at least casually it's like a warm blanket they can wrap themselves around you know they're not going out there and seeking avant-garde jazz or like kraut rock or you know like eight tonal 20th century classical music there's a reason why pop music is popular it's familiar and yeah i guess i guess we forget about that sometimes don't we 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 like to that you know simplicity simplicity i think the simplicities of music are are they're the best parts really but you know you get bored at a certain point you really try to do new things that haven't been done before and for me i just want something that's honest and that's not, not something that's putting on or or false or or you know trying to convince me of something that's not true so it's like you know everybody's always kind of like searching humans search for all kinds of things spiritual philosophical whatever you, in, you want to call it and when when i when the, i think they hear something that's when i hear something that's not honest i don't really turn on to it i don't i don't really like it and it sounds manufactured but there's a lot of incredible incredible in in the pop genre that's such really incredible pop music that i think is that is that it's honest and it doesn't sound manufactured it doesn't sound like some conveyor belt thing which i i think is great honest is a really it's an interesting word in this context i mean obviously this is a really abstract question but insofar Mm -hmm. as you're able to answer what does it mean to be honest music if you're if you believe what you're writing and you're not just putting something together that you think people will respond to and it's going to be a great hit and 
so people who are, are who really believe what they're what they're doing uh, in what they're doing. Yeah. Intent, I think, is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Sam, you know, I think you'd also you had mentioned context, and I and I think that that's the right word because I think an upside to Spotify is that if you talk to kids listening to music through Spotify, context isn't important. Now, obviously there's the downside of that in that, you know, I think a lot of people who get really into music will, you know, if you get into like Zeppelin, you're going to start listening to like Charlie Patton, right? Or, you know, you're going to start listening to like some of the early British folk music. And that doesn't really exist now, which obviously in terms of historical context is unfortunate, but also there's something to be said for just not for being like, you know, a 15 year old listening to music and like, you know, listening to like post-punk one minute and like mumblecore rap the next and just not having any kind of preconceived bias about the music you're listening to. Yeah. And it also kind of, sometimes it makes it difficult to understand the music without that context. It's like you take a painting, here's this Picasso thing. It's like, okay, I see like people laying there and a boat. And so it doesn't do anything. My, my, my five-year-old could have painted that, that, exactly. that whole conversation. Yeah. But then you go into like, oh, this was painted this year. This was during the Spanish Revolution. Oh, that must be his home. Oh, and then it becomes something. A one fundamental thing that every single human can understand and will understand is a story. And if, we're, if we don't have time in a 15, 30 second TikTok to tell a story, then what are we, what are we supplying? I want to get back to the idea of mindfulness. I, I think that's really interesting. We were talking about mindfulness before in terms of just like trying to be present with somebody and, and have a conversation. Do you get a sense of how the past year has impacted your ability to be grateful and mindful in terms of what the four of you have been able to do as a band? Yeah, I think being removed from the eye of the storms gives you perspective. And you do kind of have moments where you're meditating on those things and they just sort of make they they they, they make make more sense now than they did then. It's hard to really understand what's going on uh when <laughs> when the next thing's already happening all the time there's no real there's no real ideal silence for you to sort of put things together. So I think that that's kind of actually what's happened in the last, you know, couple of years. And we've gotten to obviously explore a little bit more of, we take the time to explore a little bit more of our, you know, our artistic interests, um, which is think it's lended itself in a very, very positive way. But yeah, I mean, sort of like uh, all retrospective kind of stuff. And and it is sort of like, uh, you almost wonder how you didn't destroy yourself doing that. And I think maybe if it would have kept going as it did, we we probably would have gotten ourselves into some trouble, I, you know, but I don't know. It, it seems like you're always just on the brink of some kind of self-destruction. I, uh, so- I think that's an accurate uh, way to describe it. <laughs> there have been moments when it felt like you were just barely holding things together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just sheer exhaustion, I think, was the big part. It was just so constant. There was no break at all. <laughs> you know? What kind of perspective have you gotten on the past several years? It's a big question. <laughs> wow. I guess, yeah. I, I mean, guess. you know, I, I know I like, I think you're right. And I, and I've heard you discuss this before the eye of the storm again is a good way of putting it. Does a fish know it's in water? I can look at your career as somebody who is an outsider has never met you. And it like, it seems to me like things happen really quickly and you guys got big really fast. And I suspect that just, 
being in the middle of it, maybe you have a very different perspective on that. Yeah, I think one thing over the past year and a half, the tequila train. That's the tequila train, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's seven o'clock. Taught us us all that we need each other. Like kind of looping it back to the first thing we were uh, talking about is we need each other. We need to bounce ideas off of yeah. each other to create this uh, this human synergy. In the parameters, in the parameters of the Greta Van Fleet project, if that's what you want to call it, is that this this band is made up of four components, and that that is the magic of the project. <clears throat> so yeah, it, it, you can't just remove one element; otherwise, it's just not the same thing. And also, bouncing that energy off the crowd, like 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 we covered that base, like that. I think that's one of the main things, and uh, the very honest interaction between people. So yeah, I mean, it's it's easy just to become completely not present when you're touring nine months out of the year. <laughs> yeah, you have you have thoughts that come in and out that are sort of much more again present. It's sort of, you're not so hyper-focused or there's a discipline that happens when you're on a campaign or you're touring and you're doing these shows. And um, yeah, your your mind goes to a place that makes it realistic for survival. Whereas when you're not doing that, you have these strange thoughts that would never have come to you in in that environment. One of the things I've heard from a lot of bands I've spoken to is, Obviously, it varies from band to band, you know, relationships, dynamics vary quite a bit, but pretty close to a consensus from a majority of them is that to a certain degree, a band needs to be run as kind of a dictatorship in that one person needs to sort of like have the clear vision. I I, I never, never really gotten that sense from the four of you. It seems a little more egalitarian, but does one person have to be out there to some degree kind of leading the way? No. I think that we all have different departments. I think we, I think we do all lead a, a way, but in, in different ways. Yeah. It, it, I mean, obviously, lyrically, Josh does, you know, 99% of the lyrics. And as far as the riffy songs go, Jake is always there with the guitar. A lot of the uh, folky uh, chordy songs is a lot of time Daniel and then you know, I, I I live within the keyboard realm and uh, much more in the producing realm and uh, sonic, the sonic quality to a lot of stuff. And it's sort of, um, yeah, and then, of course, everybody writes, I guess. And so the, regardless of what they're writing on or what ideas they bring to the table, it's like we work as, uh, together to sort of um, ex, ex, expand on that idea or those ideas and start bringing in uh new melodies and things and i don't even worry about lyrics until that's the last thing for me really um i i focus on the the vocal melody the instrumental melody and all those things and then we get to conclusion eventually but it's it's yeah it's sort of everybody kind of if you really believe in the idea and you really think that that needs to happen then you fight for it and then there's a little bit of conflict but i think conflict makes for great art and that's part of how we operate together. I, I got the sense to a certain degree that, that you were, as bands often do, were not necessarily workshopping, but but certainly a part of the, the songwriting process for you in the past has been going out and playing songs live, you know, perhaps in like not their finished album form, not being able to tour for a year and a half. I mean, how does that impact the songwriting? Well, 
<laughs> we don't really know what to think of that. I guess it would be like anything we wrote before we were touring. You know, uh, Heat Above was written before we ever hit the road. Um, so, yeah, it was just, it goes back into, you know, obviously we were playing live, but not to people. So you don't really have that, you know, response. But yeah, it's just, I think the validation. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But it, you, so, yeah, I think it just kind of reverted into a realm where you've removed that as a possible element of that equation where you don't have the live audience. So you just, you just play it. So kind of like writing songs, kind of like writing songs in the garage all those years ago. That's yeah. kind of the same thing. Validation is, is an interesting way of putting it. And we've been circling around this a little bit. Validation as far as in, in this respect, as far as the reaction that you get from the audience in a live setting beyond that, how closely do you follow like, do you, I mean, do you read reviews, for example? You know, do you internalize stuff that people are saying about the band? It's, I don't think the place that we mostly get validation is from each other. Because why would we listen to some magazine of some person we don't know who, you know, might just be a moron? Like, <laughs> why, you know, why? So once again, going back to the Internet, it gives everybody a voice. Yeah, we kind of just avoid reading that stuff, but it's almost impossible, you know, to, to do that. Of course, people will be shocked and, and uh, by things, you know, journalists would, would write. And then they would, did you hear about? And then they would just tell you. And it's sort of like, oh, that's funny. But I guess, you know, it's sort of like finding a sense of, we have a bit of a sense of humor about it. And, and let's, we're not the only band in history to get, you know, uh, to, to be subject to criticism or, you know. Yeah, well, it's, so just it's funny like, because, I mean, we see a lot of people who just love the music and culture so much that they devote their life to it. But we have the same kind of story on the other side with the people who uh, despise us so much that they <laughs> devote their entire life writing YouTube comments. <laughs> Maybe who's paying of, them bit of a waste who's of paying time, them to do that know. like i don't think this is universal but maybe there's something to that sort of cliche of if you're pissing people off that much you must be doing something right like at least you're eliciting a very strong response yeah, yeah. well and <laughs> we're our harshest we're our own harshest critics as cliches that sounds but it um that's true so it, again it's sort of like uh our expectations are pretty high and we just you know you you don't really at the end of the day give much shit about anything any you know what they're saying doesn't have much weight at yeah all. it's kind of just filled with hot air it doesn't really matter yeah we don't need the internet to help beat ourselves up emotionally we can do that <laughs> ourselves yeah sure so you've got you've got each other to yeah. emotionally <laughs> abuse one another we all, yeah we got all the bases covered yeah we got it i think another element of, of the conversation around technology is the question of of labels obviously just like on the whole They've lost some of their power, I think, just generally as as drivers of, of the music industry. You know, you guys are on a label and you've been on a label for a while. In 2021, what what is the value of being on a record label? Well, I think the record label should bankroll the artist. And that's it. Well, yeah, that's as, as far as being is considering all of the other things that a record label would do. Sometimes you can create a bit of a mess. You, if you're, again, trying to force something, uh, uh, if you're trying to manufacture something, it's, it's, artistically speaking, that's kind of a dangerous 
uh, realm to be in. And you find somebody that looks the part and has a good voice, and then you get 50 writers to put together songs, and you have stylists come in and put this person together with, you know, glue and staples and <laughs> scissors and Fred, and you've got uh, just give them an agent, and then let's get a lawyer here, a lawyer there. And you got those songs with 15 writing credits on them. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it doesn't, it, 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 I'm not sure with the, longevity of that kind of um curation really has it's 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 and and then there's the question of honesty again it's like is this really something that that person uh believes in you know and a lot of the time you see these people really lose their their minds you know because they're they're spiritually ill because you know they don't feel that they really have that voice that they're not doing something you know, honest, organic. So, and it's destructive. So there's, there's that perspective. And that's just one of many things you can consider. And there's some really great things as well. About and there that. are, uh, there are a record label. There are really wonderful record labels out there who understand music and anti-music. And I do believe for arts to exist, there has to be anti-art. There has to be like this evil business this is the motive for all of this. And then we have this beautiful ethereal kind of thing. I mean, obviously you're still on a label. There's still value for the band to continue being on a label. Yes. And I think that comes from a place of mutual respect and uh, the fact that the label lets us do our thing. Uh, They don't get in our way uh, artistically because we, that's our profession. We make the music. And uh, wouldn't it be silly for uh, somebody who never picked up an instrument in their life to be telling the musicians and the writers what to do? But it happens every day. You want to think that the people that you're dealing with in management or the label, if not necessarily have the greatest creative impulse or at least able to some degree navigate the industry. Yeah. And that's, again, a a really great um, uh, contribution that you would you would see with a, a record label. And, and especially if your eyes and ears are open, you, you can learn a hell of a lot from those seasoned professionals that you would grow a great respect for. So and then that, that's another perk as well. And then, of course, there's loyalty in all of that. And, um, and you know, so we take care of you, you take care of us, and that, you know, that kind of thing. Unheard of in the music industry. <laughs> Are there people that were there for you at the beginning that you do feel the sense of loyalty toward in the industry? Yeah, certainly a lot of them, yeah. Josh, you had touched on this a little bit at the beginning, and it was something that I, I want to expand on when we were talking about egoism. Mm-hmm. which is an, another double-edged sword, you know, the flip side of it being you were questioning, like, you know, I guess why us is, is, is maybe the, the easiest way to, to put it, you know, of all the, of all the bands out there, of all the rock bands, you know, obviously there are thousands or tens of thousands of really fantastic bands that never really make it. Do you think though, there's a downside to, to getting too hung up on that, to getting too hung up on the question of why we are the ones who made it? Yeah, it's still quite, you know, an unresolved question in my mind. And it's, uh, and I'm not really sure. I have no, I have no idea why, why it would be us of so, so many. Yeah, I, I, work ethic is a strange thing to even consider. You know, it's like there's so many great artists and creators that don't have really any work ethic and you never hear their name. And I guess that was one thing is we really did look at it as something that was worth fighting for and worth putting together and, and, and 
getting together to create. But in of course, the, the focus is is was you know, uh, you know, the, it was like there's nothing that was going to stray the 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 vision of the project. And um, and yeah, I think of course, just like putting ourselves in the right circumstances especially with the right people and and sort of navigating all of that just sort of as as not just artists but as as business people as well so there's a lot to that that whole mix but i kind of just put it in the hands of the language of the universe and uh we won't know the truth until the end yeah it's it's not like we can't go into this thinking we're over men you know we're not sort of you know profits it's just that that's not how this works it's not how and there's so much and again you're talking egos there's so much fucking ego in in um in entertainment and 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 business just all together than just an industry i think that that's really toxic so that's something that has to be removed or at least dealt with yeah i think one of the other primary downsides of thinking too much about it or thinking about you know trying to figure out the math of why a particular song was successful is it's chasing the dragon as they say mm-hmm. that kind of gets you into a bit of a feedback loop where you've had a certain success with something and you want to sort of distill the, the base elements of it and figure out how you could recapture that magic and like we were talking about earlier that would be not authentic because you're trying to create the same thing for the same reason yeah, which is not necessarily right. What we would ever want to achieve, I think the idea is to move move on. And you know, time changes many things, and people t- change. You know, as time changes, is out of necessity. And um, and what was is was beautiful, but it's always like, you have, what's the next thing? You know, it's like all of these sort of people trying to relive something or to find comfort, like we were talking about earlier about comfort and things that are familiar, but it's like sort of to chart new territory and to, to, to just kind of explore more and see what, what can happen. I think that that's, that's really productive. And as far as, you know, the evolution of an artistic project is concerned and we could be fat and irrelevant tomorrow. And, uh, and that's it. And I'm fine with that. It's just really, as long as what we're creating is what we, what we intend to create and what we set out to, to invent. And, and um, of course there's so much to be done and said. And again, as time changes those things, there's more to be said. And when there's nothing left to say than or do, then it's time to switch gears and do something else. I mean, would you be, <laughs> fine with that though that would obviously be a huge bummer man <laughs> if, if nobody cared tomorrow i don't foresee that happening but i just i don't really that would that probably would be a bummer but that would yeah. suck a lot i you know i mean like i i, I appreciate the sentiment but man that would you know you, you've got like you've got these shows coming up and like well, i feel I would, I would feel that they would I would feel that there's really the reason I, we do this the reason we have the inclination to create is because there are people to listen if you were the only people on planet Earth, you there would there would be no motive at all to to create this sort of thing in the way that we are doing it and why we do it. Once again, validation, sort of just share that kind of thing. That's the line, right? I mean, that's the the, the line is figuring out how you can continue to innovate in a way like obviously you love your fans and they 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 are once a lot of them have been there since the beginning yeah how do you push the envelope but still like you still want to make your fans happy 
I think they, they seem to be just very interested in going wherever we're, we're interested in going. They're the ones that are really on, on board for the ride. You know? Also, musically, I think our evolution is very natural and kind of mild in a lot of ways. We, you know, I think that the four of us, the sound that happens, it's always there. That's always the backbone of what Greta Van Fleet is. So when we're going off trying something completely different, the soul is still there and the backbone is still within that music that we're pushing ourselves to create, create something different. And there's identity in that too. I mean, we are the people that are putting this together. So there is some sort of strange consistency, but it, it's, it really is sort of us trying to, I mean, there's so much music to be made. And there's so much music that has been made that, that it's just, it's wild how di- one different one thing can be from the next. And so I think that's always uh, reassuring, you know. I listened to some interviews with the two of you where you had said that in the early days, you didn't even really think about being in a band or, or a band wasn't the end goal. You were all content to just play music. At what point, though, did, did that change? Like, at what point did the band become the thing? Well, let's rewind a little bit, actually, before that. I think Jake always was going to be in a band. He was always going to play electric guitar in a band. Uh, I'm not sure he ever really guessed that it was going to be with us. Josh was going to be in film no matter what. I was probably going to go into the sciences, and Daniel was going to go into, you know, college golf. One of you got your way. Yeah, exactly. This, yeah. this time, let's just say for now, time we yeah. could all be on the PGA. Right. And again, everybody wakes up that. tomorrow and they decide they don't like the band. You've always got golf football. <laughs> That's back what on. I mean. There's much more to do. There's much more to do. Come on, infinite. Yeah. So. But yeah, so that's kind of it. I don't know. And, we... and bringing us to that point, I mean, I, I, I think the biggest uh, influence on us was to get out and play in front of people because we really enjoyed it. And we enjoyed uh, pushing ourselves to be better. There were early similar interests. Daniel had played guitar for a long time. He, he So he was pre- a pretty great guitar player when we he started coming around. And, um, and he'd been, he played the drums, you know, a bit. And um, he had a kit in his basement and we, and I was always singing and I was doing theater and stuff like that. And um, aside from cinema, which was like eat, sleep, breathe, you know, and um, and then sort of so those things all kind of had their contributing um, or contributed in some way. So and then Sam sort of came out um, at some point and sort of Jake wanted you to play. He wanted me to play bass. Just try this thing and showed you. Showed you some chords or something like that. That's the origin of so many bass players. Like I've heard that story so many times. We need somebody to play the bass. Just figure this out. You know, it's just holding it like it's a dead bird. <laughs> Here, um, you have this. You take it. Just move it. Um, but no, and that really quickly turned into keys and, and bass pedals and all of this other stuff, which is strange. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. It really just did kind of happen fairly naturally. It wasn't that we were forcing anything. I think just following our muse, I think yeah. that is kind of where where we're at. I think that's how we got here. And that's just a good philosophy to have. If the live show has always been the thing, do you think it's like riding a bike? you think after a year and a half, you're going to step on stage and it's just going to click. 
I certainly yeah, think of course. So. I, no, I <laughs> well, yeah, you hope so. Obviously, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I think I that know. there will have to there will be some polishing to do. Yeah, but, I don't uh, see. How I think it, we're gonna have to grease up the 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 pedals or whatever. Yeah, I don't see how it wouldn't be what it is. Well, I mean, it, that's so the shows. that's the yeah. We played. Yeah, I think it'll probably be a very natural process. I mean, from the first show we've ever played to an audience, the last lots has happened, and I don't think that we're we couldn't possibly do anything other than pick up where we left off. 